0: Get your quote today at progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Let's go! It's the
1: most all star studded challenge ever. And this time, it's every competitor for themselves. Best challenge ever! The Challenge All Stars. New season now streaming on Paramount Plus.
0: Go to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Terms apply. Are you listening? Damn. and welcome into another episode of the damn podcast here on the 24 7 sports podcast network and powered by beaverblitz.com i'm your host carter baines joined as always by beaverblitz.com publisher angie machado here on monday february 13th the day after the super bowl which is still not a national holiday Uh, somebody needs to get on that i don't think anybody wanted to go to work today but alas here we are getting ready to talk oregon state baseball which is now just days away. We are four days away from first pitch in surprise, Arizona, Oregon State, and New Mexico getting things underway on Friday. Angie and I are here to preview all of that and the campaign that is upcoming in this episode of the damn podcast. We'll also answer some of your listener questions, mostly revolving around football at the end of the show. And then we are back for round two of name that beef. Angie is going to try to stump me this time around. So be sure to stick around for that. Uh, we'll see who is smarter when it comes to naming Oregon State football players. Um, Angie, I'm sure the people want to know uh, which one of us uh, has that information more top of mind than the other. I don't know. Stormwoods was a, I, I feel like that was a good one. I, I feel it like it was you in the beginning, but you came back. So uh, hopefully you're ready to.
1: Yeah. To and I, I didn't want to start off too hard. So. I had I, pretty, I, I think, I, I mean, cause we kind of talked about trying to keep it in this, the 2000s. So I, I didn't want to go too obscure, you know, but I think I got a good one.
0: Love to hear it. We'll get to that at the end of the show. But like I said, uh, we are focusing mostly on baseball today. Before we get rolling, just want to tell everybody about this deal that we have at beaverblitz.com right now. It's 30% off your first year. If you are a new member, this is for an annual subscription it comes out to six 27 per month. Again, that's 30% off your first year if you want access to all of our VIP articles, which JP's weekly walk-off, which we'll preview every weekend series of Oregon State Baseball, will be behind the paywall. Uh, The only way you can read that is with a VIP subscription. So if you're not a member yet, again, that's 30% off your first year at Beaver Blitz. Uh, Angie.
1: I'm just going to give a quick tease as well because I have been working all day today. I started last week. For a feature we're going to run start, starting next week. And it's looking at the early top targets for Oregon State football recruiting for 2024. So um, I've been reaching out to, to these players. I have a, a pretty good idea of who Oregon State's top top prospects are, and uh, we'll start going with those next week. So that's another reason to jump in in the Lodge and, and at Beaver Blitz as well.
0: Absolutely. If you missed it last week, we had Spencer McLaughlin on the podcast. Uh, he and I broke down our Way too early Pac-12 power rankings on the football side. Uh, If you haven't heard that, definitely want to go back and check that out. Uh, You can find that on our YouTube page or anywhere you find your podcasts on our show page. uh, You can find that episode with Spencer. Angie is back for the first time in two weeks. um, So I'm sure you've got a lot on your mind that you have yet to share. Um, Let's start with a a little Super Bowl recap. Uh, Unless there's anything else like super top of mind you've been sitting on. I'm curious not only who you were rooting for, which I have a good idea because there's only one team that had former Beeves, uh, but also the best food you ate, favorite commercial, thoughts on the halftime show, fire away. What was your biggest takeaway from Sunday Super Bowl? Well,
1: I think this I I was kind of lame because Eric and Jack were actually not home and all of my friends had were like out of town and, and so it was a total low key Super Bowl, but I enjoyed it because I got to watch, kind of watch the whole thing um so i didn't have any good food plus i'm kind of like on this shape-up plan right now so not really anything good nothing exciting there but the commercials i thought my big takeaway was that the commercials finally um i I think we've kind of turned the corner from some of the pandemic more serious commercials and there were some fun ones i started off the bat i thought that dunkin donuts one was cute with with ben affleck and and jennifer lopez um, but I thought some good ones. Uh, the Pop Corners one with the Breaking Bad yeah. Guys, that one stood out. The Michelob Ultra kind of Caddyshack one caught my attention, but um, I thought they were fun. Um, I thought the National Anthem by Chris Stapleton was just stellar, super simple, like not a big performance per se. Like, you know, I, I, I got a lot of pushback on Twitter because I said it would be right up there with the Whitney Houston. And I mean, that was a performance. I mean, Whitney Houston, like amazing. But I thought Chris Stapleton, I mean, it it just seemed so simple and so effortless for him. And then Babyface, I have loved Babyface since I was um, a teenager. So I thought he did a great job with that. But halftime, I don't know about you, Carter, but my phone was blowing up with all of my friends and and even Eric, who was watching the game on an airplane home. Is Rihanna pregnant? Then my mom texts, is Rihanna pregnant? And then my girlfriend, is Rihanna, I mean, it was like going off. So um, congratulations to her. But what were your thoughts?
0: Yeah. I mean, first of all, I, I think one of the all time great games, just as far yeah. as that competitive yep. start to finish it, uh, it, if it didn't end up being the highest scoring Super Bowl, it was just just shy of it uh, coming at What was it? 38, 35. Was that the final? Yeah,
1: that was the final. top
0: of my head. Yeah. So I, I think the highest scoring Super Bowl was 75. So I guess it came up just short, but yeah. Um, you know, you had a lot of points scored, you had a close game, and unfortunately it was determined by the officials, which is a point that I want to ask you, Angie. Obviously, covering football in the Pac-12, you are very aware of, you know, officials getting getting in the way of the action. And I, I felt like generally the, the discourse, at least on social media and on TV after the game was, you know, like, sure, m- maybe by the rule that's a, a penalty, but you know it wasn't the most egregious holding call in the world um but a situation where a fear an official you have to let that go and just let the players determine the outcome of the game because it wasn't like it didn't create that much of a competitive advantage that it was like oh how could you not call that um so i don't know I, i'm kind of on the fence over that I, I, my takeaway from the game was that it was unfortunate that an all-time classic like that in the super bowl had to be determined by a defensive holding call.
1: Yeah, I, I agree because it, it, it kind of did kind of scream Pac-12 like inserting at the wrong time. Um, that's the kind of play that happens basically on every big pass play. Um, it mm-hmm. wasn't like you said, an egregious, like full on grab. Um, it had been happening all day long. And that was the first time they called it. So too bad. But um, I mean, it, a great game. Like you said, it was it was just a back and forth. I mean, at halftime, I thought the Eagles had it in the bag. Um, you know, you see Mahomes kind of going off limping and, um, and they really had no answer for, for Philly. And then all of a sudden, especially that fourth quarter, um, just, just came alive. I, I was rooting for Philly just because of, of Isaac Samalo. And then Noah Togiai is on the practice squad. Um, my entire family was totally going for the chiefs. Um, so it was, it it created some good back and forth, um, especially with Jackson and I, well, Jack was on the plane home. From Boston, um the, the text string back and forth was was pretty classic.
0: I I have to agree with you the with the, the pop corners commercial. Yeah. So what was unfortunate was they didn't actually show the whole thing during the game. Because I, I, I don't know if you have seen the full commercial. No, they no. they got most of it in there. Uh, but go YouTube that after okay. after we get off of here and get and go find the whole thing because they cut over a couple of lines. I I thought it was hysterical. If obviously if you haven't seen Breaking Bad, it probably didn't quite hit hit with the the, the same gusto, but um I, I thought it was pretty hilarious. Uh that's our two cents on the Super Bowl. This is an Oregon State podcast, so we're not gonna spend too much time there. But um unfortunate to see Isaac Samalo and Noah Tongi, I come up just short of getting a ring there. Uh Angie, I was actually down in Corvallis on Saturday covering basketball. Great game, Oregon State. After I told you
1: okay, you guys, Carter texts me and says, I think I'm gonna go to the game, and I said, Why? This is this is how I roll. And thank goodness you were there because what a game.
0: I, I would say Oregon State's best win of the year on the men's basketball side. Uh, you know, to to grind that thing out, to to shoot incredibly poorly, but still pull it out, defend your way to beating a, a, a top half of the team in the or a, a top half of the conference team in USC. Uh, it was an impressive win by by Wayne Tinkle's squad, and hopefully that gives them a little bit of confidence moving forward that they can uh, they can end the season on somewhat of a high note after uh, what, what has been a, a disappointing season by by most measures. Um, but it, it was good to see Gil Coliseum, you know, not full, but uh, I, I feel like one of the better turnouts of the season, and, and uh, those in attendance got what they were hoping for. Uh, they on a a beautiful Saturday afternoon in Corvallis. Yeah.
1: I was actually in downtown Portland watching uh, my oldest son compete in a mock trial competition. And again, beautiful in downtown Portland, just the mountains were shining and it it was a great day.
0: Felt like baseball weather. Yes, it it? did.
1: And uh, it's funny you say that because we are like knocking on the door to baseball.
0: Yeah. 96 hours, approximately away from baseball season as we record this. I'm pretty fired up. Baseball season is is one of my favorites at, at Beaver Blitz. Uh we have a a very very passionate fan base on our site and I cannot wait to cover this year's team. There are so many storylines that are really intriguing and we want to highlight some of them here in our season preview. So, Uh, We'll preface this by saying that we are here on Monday and we're going to speak with Mitch Canham and players on Tuesday. So we might get a little bit of clarity in the next, you know, day or so on what the pitching rotation might look like, who we can expect to see in the lineup. Um, I don't expect Mitch Canham to give us too much as far as that is concerned, Uh, but we might, you know, we might glean a little bit of information from that that we can't get to here. So if you're listening to this after... Tuesday, uh, this might be a little bit dated as far as that goes, but, uh, we're taking a big picture look here, uh, anyways. So I don't think, uh, we'll, I don't think we'll have any spoilers as far as, uh, you know, what, what Mitch Canham tells us. Uh, but anyways, th- this weekend, the Sanderson Ford college baseball classic surprise stadium in surprise, Arizona, Oregon state, going back down to the desert once again to open the season. Action gets underway on Friday at 11 a.m. Pacific with a game against New Mexico. Saturday, Oregon State plays Minnesota again at 11 a.m. Pacific, and then they play uh, New Mexico again on Sunday, again at 11 a.m. They close action in Arizona on Monday at noon Pacific with a matchup against UC Santa Barbara. So a four-game set. there. in surprise. They're only down there for one week. Uh, oftentimes Oregon state will spend two weekends down there and, and play a series uh, against one single team in the second weekend, but they're only spending one weekend in Arizona this year before they come back for a very, very early home opener. Those four games in surprise can all be streamed on flow baseball. Josh Warden will have the call on the Beaver sports network. Uh, Angie, I, are are you going to be tuning in? I mean, I, I think I'll get the flow baseball subscription. I, hopefully we can both log in if you want to watch so that we don't have to get two of them. Um, but at the very least, uh, how excited are you for the season to get underway with, uh, with four games that I think are you know pretty winnable for Oregon. Yeah.
1: I, I just, I'm excited for a, because it, it tells us that spring is around the corner. Um, and then just, I think there's a lot of, I mean, I think this could be a building year for the Beaver baseball team. So I want to see kind of how they, take these games like you said winnable games um but let's just see how they perform let's I want to see some pitching I want to see how the bats are um just some preseason it's, it's a good time to get some kinks out and like you that those are February 24th and 20, through 26th is the home opener that's a little I mean that's early especially with the way the weather has kind of has been lately hopefully they can they can get those games in too
0: yeah, last I checked, it's uh, forecasted to be in the, the mid-60s, mostly sunny down in Arizona. Uh, I was actually down there last year for that first weekend of games, and, and that's about what it was. You know, I right. think it touched 70 one day, uh, but perfect, perfect February baseball weather there. Uh, the Beaver Blitz coverage, Angie, uh, I, I know you have, have reached out to JP. Can you confirm whether or not he's doing a, a season preview edition of the weekly walk-off?
1: He is, and if you haven't read JP's um, amazing work, you're in for a treat, but it is, it's not for the faint of heart. You, and I, and I know this, those previews are one of the most tedious aspects of the things he does. It's kind of like Carter when you, when we do the, the season rewinds and the, and the previews, it's a lot of tedious work, but JP, I did confirm with him and um, he is up for the challenge. He actually said he's excited. And I told him, I'd remind him of that he said this, that he's excited to do the preview because he feels like he needs to, Kind of dig in and get to know this team a little bit too so since there's some new faces um so you're in for a treat um the preview that will be run will be more of an overview of all the positions and, and kind of what to expect then as we get into the series you know in the pack 12 you'll start seeing the, the actual weekly walk-offs
0: we're we gonna run that on thursday or friday or or earlier in the week do you know yet
1: it i have not heard from him i kind of okay. just wait till i get it i'm guessing it'll be Friday.
0: Okay. But um, so, I have
1: not confirmed what day that will run.
0: Yeah, definitely keep an eye out for that. Uh, the The preseason weekly walk-off is uh, it's it's always a great read as the in-season ones are as well, but I know JP puts a ton of work into that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I will have coverage from Mitch Canham's press conference tomorrow. We'll also speak with a couple of players uh, who will be named tomorrow on Tuesday. Uh, and then, of course, throughout the weekend, we'll have live updates during the games. We'll post our, our tournament HQ. We're going to run with the same format that we did last year, uh, have a little HQ for the series full of previews, and then we'll post our uh, live updates there afterwards if you want to go find the recap. So uh, we found that worked well last year. We're going to run with it again. Uh, no shortage of baseball coverage at Beaver Blitz this year. So the Oregon State baseball team entering 2023 here, you know, looking to avenge last season's, what I would call a disappointing finish. Yeah. Um, you know, it's, it's hard to say that, making it to a game three of a super regional that you're hosting is disappointing, but obviously coming up uh, just a couple of runs short of making a trip to Omaha is pretty disappointing. But like with the talent Oregon state had on that roster last year, particularly on the offensive side uh, that, you know, maybe not necessarily a national championship was, was the ceiling, but at least competing for one and getting to Omaha felt realistic. Uh, so I think, you know, obviously coming up just shy of that is disappointing. Uh, but I know that the guys who are returning uh, are using that as motivation. And and Angie, I just kind of want your, your thoughts before we jump into all of this. I mean, is your expectation that Oregon State does avenge that and get to the College World Series? Or do you view success for this team uh, in what you called, and I think many people would agree, somewhat of a rebuilding year, uh, is success measured a little bit differently in a year like that, even with how far they made it last year?
1: I actually don't. Ha- I mean, I know, you know, tomorrow when you talk to coach Canham and the, and the players, they're all going to be talking about Omaha and that's yep. the the ultimate goal. And I love that. I love, but, but in my personal opinion, early preseason, um, I think for this squad, since it is such a young squad, there's a couple of injuries, uh, you know, we're, we're hearing that guys won't be playing this season or at least early this season. I really think, you know, Competing for a spot in a regional and, and earning that regional trip. I think this is a big be- uh, rebuilding year. Things can change. They have a lot of talent. It's just a matter of how quickly that talent kind of gets up to speed and, and game game ready.
0: We'll talk more expectations at the end of this segment, uh, all sorts of you know preseason polls, rankings and, and what have you. Uh, we'll get to that at the end but I, I want to start by just kind of highlighting some of the schedule notes and, and we're going to go up and down the roster, pick some players to watch, uh, project the rotation, starting lineups and all that but uh, just from a you know a 50 foot view of, of this season, the schedule, I, I think, lines up interestingly for Oregon State in that a lot of its tougher series come on the road, uh, which I don't necessarily think is entirely favorable. Uh, but there are a ton of home games on the schedule, as there usually are. Oregon State's going to play most of its uh, most of its non-conference games at home. Uh, that home opener, like Angie said, set for February 24th <laughs> so versus Coppin State. Uh, Angie, over under on first pitch temperature at 5.30 p.m. <laughs> on February 24th. I'm going to set that right around 42 degrees. Yeah, I
1: was going to say like 40. 40 I'm going to go with the under actually on that because I don't know. I'm just watching the weather change here today on Monday, and they're actually saying a little maybe a chance of snow overnight. Yeah. I don't know. I'll believe it when I see it. You know, You know Oregon, Portland weather. But uh, it could be chilly on that uh, the 24th in the in the evening there.
0: It was not long ago that uh, that I think Oregon State was down in Arizona, but Oregon was opening the season at home or was at least the second week of the season. And it actually snowed at PK Park like the day before the game. Um, That's that's what you run into playing baseball in the Pacific Northwest in February. You know, we don't get a ton of snow, but uh, it does happen. Uh, I'm so just, February I, 24th, know, I mean, but we'll see. It's it's going to be cold. That is. I, I am that looking is what ahead. I can
1: you. So, um, I think you know, my oldest son is a senior this year, and he's planning to attend GCU next year down in mm-hmm. in Arizona. So, I don't know, Carter. I might have to head down if they're in surprise again next year. Fingers totally are recommend <laughs> it.
0: You and you and about three thousand Oregon State baseball fans. Yeah, I, I yeah. was I was extremely impressed by the turnout last year there at surprise stadium. So yeah, that home opener, February 24th through 26th against Coppin state, you know, that's an opponent that you expect a sweep against for Oregon state. Uh, I I think with a lot of opponents, you're going to be expecting a, a two out of three or a sweep, uh, whether that's fair or not, that is the expectation for Oregon state baseball, uh, with where this program is at hosting a program, hosting a program like Coppin state. Um, you know, I, I think it's a, It's kind of an an ease into Pac-12 play, which creeps up really quickly because that Pac-12 opener set for March 10th against Washington State. So, again, a lot of early season home games for the Beavs. You come back from Arizona, host Coppin State, and then you've got a non-conference, and then Washington State comes to town. Curious to see how the Beavers start Pac-12 play because, I mean... (laughs) It, when, when you look at where their tough series fall, it's kind of spread out. You know, they have one in, in March. They have a tough series in April. They have a tough series in May. Uh, but starting with Washington State, I, I think, you know, the, the Cougs have been solid, uh, but not great. Uh, gives Oregon State a chance to get some early season momentum there uh, with uh, with a couple of cushier matchups early in the season and then opening the Pac-12 at the team that's not necessarily projected to be in the title race.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think you look at that and it's it's a nice way to start the Pac-12 because I think Oregon State will be expected to at least take two or three against the Cougs. So um, you know it's it's not like they're starting off with the the juggernauts of the of the conference. So um, I like how that plays out, but I don't like how many of the tough matchups, like you said, are on the road.
0: And that that first one comes against Stanford the following the following week. So like you said, you know they're not playing the juggernauts of the Pac-12 uh, in the first week, but they they, they do Me it in too. the second week. Go yeah. down to the go down to Sunken Diamond to play the Cardinal, who are projected to win the conference, uh, by the Pac-12 media. I, again, I I think three out of the four biggest series of Pac-12 play come on the road. This is the first one. Um, you know, it'll it'll be nice to get out of Oregon at that point uh, in in March because again, you know, the best weather for Oregon State baseball doesn't necessarily come until like late April into May. Uh, particularly last year, I mean, Angie, I can remember two to three games where it was like legitimately sunny. And that is it. I mean, <laughs> Last that was spring one was one the coldest, windiest, wettest baseball seasons I can ever remember. Um, so I think going down to Palo Alto in, uh, in, in March will be welcome. Uh, despite the fact that the Beavers will be playing probably their toughest opponent of this season.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That, I mean, it's, it's a tough way, but you know what I, I would rather part of me almost likes playing the toughest games early, because you should be at full strength. Your roster should be at full strength. Um, and, and, they, and, you, know, you don't know, Stanford could be still trying to figure out their, their rotations as well and, and some of their batting order. So um, I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing. Maybe try to snatch, you know, one, two games from them. Which I mean, if they could, if they could take the series, it'd be a great way to start. I, I don't know if that will happen. I don't expect that to happen. But um, to be able to take one game from the Cardinal would be huge.
0: Yeah, I mean, you're playing a series that's going to have Pac-12 title implications in the second week of conference play. Uh, as, assuming Oregon State plays up its, plays up to its potential and, and finishes the season in the race, I think that series very early is going to have some implications there. The rivalry series uh, falls in Eugene this year. Oregon State hosted the, the three-game Pac-12 series against the Ducks last year. They go down to PK Park to open the month of April. It's the 6th through 8th. There's actually only one non-conference game between the Beavers and Ducks this year. Uh, that comes at Goss May 2nd. Uh, so, you know, normally they play five games, yeah. three in Pac-12, two non-con, only one non-conference game this year, which uh, I, I might look into that, but I believe, you know, it's it's probably a scheduling conflict type thing. Uh, and then moving ahead to the end of that month, I think the biggest home series of the year Comes against Arizona, April 28th through the 30th. Uh, Arizona, again, picked to finish fourth in the Pac-12 just behind Oregon State. uh, A team that is perennially in the conference title consideration. Uh, It certainly was last year. Uh, That's I I, I think the biggest home series of the season. I expect that to be sold out all three games. Uh, Hopefully you have some good weather by then. uh, But definitely a series that Oregon State's going to want to get to in uh, if it's going to compete for a Pac-12 title. And then... They close Pac-12 play in the middle of May with a road trip to UCLA, picked to finish second in the Pac-12. That's, you know, again, you talk about the Stanford series, UCLA, and Arizona. It feels like every year those determine the outcome of the Pac-12. And I think it's it's kind of nice for Oregon State that it ends the Pac-12 season with a series like that as well.
1: Exactly. And, and like you, I have that Arizona one circled just because of the, the ramifications last year down the stretch against Arizona that there was, mm-hmm. it was pretty, it got pretty testy at times and um, down in Arizona, the fans were into it. Um, I think I, I like that matchup. I, I like the fan base. I think both, both fan bases are, are intelligent, smart baseball fans. UCLA doesn't usually draw as big a crowd. So that one doesn't, uh, kind of concern me as much but I, I i have had that arizona one circled. just that series i think it's going to be a a really a fun one to watch
0: it was a fun series last year and, and yeah. partially because you know anytime you play in tucson you you expect to go into the game and it's going to be like a 13 to 10 finish or like a 16 yeah. to 11 or something like that i mean just with how large that ballpark plays uh down in tucson it'll be nice to get that bit into a, a little bit more of a pitcher's park at goss this season and, and kind of um I guess, even the playing field, so to speak, as, as far as that's concerned. Uh, so Oregon State actually closes the regular season with a non-conference series. So obviously, the with the Pac-12 only having 11 baseball schools, uh, you do have that open week. And uh, it's you know not necessarily a, a bye week, so to speak, as you get in football. But uh, oftentimes, you see the Pac-12 schedule uh, some easier uh, opponents, Oregon State actually in the past has has scheduled difficult. Uh, they brought Oklahoma State to town a couple of years ago, but they get Western Carolina this year. Uh, a, a little tune-up weekend before the Pac-12 tournament, I think. So, um, you know, the Beavers will will have to watch the the Pac-12 regular season title uh, be determined from the couch, effectively, because you know their last chance to to make a push will come the week before at UCLA. But uh, how do you feel about closing the season? with Western Carolina before going to the PAC 12 tournament, because I think there's something to be said for playing a tougher opponent yeah. at the end of the season. I'd like that because I think it tunes you up for PAC 12 or for the, for the postseason. Whereas, you know, if you play somewhat of a, you know, I'm not going to call Western Carolina a pushover, but you know, if, if you play a, a weaker opponent late there um, you know, I could see how that could lend to some complacency.
1: I 100,000% agree. That's that's why I like you know the Pac-12 scheduling for football, getting kind of those non-conference, easier kind of tune-up games in, um, mm-hmm. because I do. I, I would rather play tough games down the stretch just to keep you really firing on all cylinders um, and really tuned in to what you need to do and not maybe taking a, a week off, so to say. And not that, not that they're not trying, but an easier game. And, and baseball's a funny sport, though, because even the teams that you know, you're supposed to beat things can happen in baseball, but um, I think it makes it harder to kind of stay up. And and when you have that momentum going.
0: Yeah. Uh, Those are the the weekend series, or at least some of the more notable ones, of course, Oregon state also play the likes of Utah, Cal, UW, uh, you name it. But as far as midweeks go, Again, lots of home games for Oregon State, as is usually the case. Uh, they, they do host most of those. Uh, they will host San Diego for the first one. Then they'll play a two-game midweek series against Nevada, uh, one of three midweek games against Portland. Then they'll go to Seattle, uh, come back for two against Gonzaga. Uh, then they will host Seattle. They go to Grand Canyon, host Oregon, like I said, in that one-off uh, in, in non-conference play against the Ducks. They'll go back up to Hillsboro at Ron Talking Field to play Portland, and then host Portland for the third. So uh, they, you know, Portland, the the Pilots, of course, have given Oregon State a little bit of trouble in recent years, yeah. which you know, for the longest time, we came to just believe that was an automatic Oregon State win. Uh, but uh, again, those midweek games against Gonzaga, GCU, Portland, like the last couple of years, we have seen Oregon State drop. I don't know if if you could call it a concerning amount, but, but they've certainly lost more of those recently than I think they did uh, in, in the Pat Casey era.
1: Absolutely. And, and I do think it's a concern because I, I think it speaks to concentration and, mm. and kind of like we were just talking about and, and kind of keeping that mental focus um, and, and that mentality that you're going to not play down to opponents, but mm-hmm. you're going to just continue to play your game. And, and I think that's something that Cannon will develop as he kind of matures into a, into the college or baseball coach.
0: Yeah. I don't necessarily know that Oregon state's had a ton of pitching depth since Mitch Canham took over too. I mean, that's, that's something that again, takes a little bit of time to develop. Um, So I I guess we'll see this year, but uh, that's, that's where one of those weaknesses I think has been kind of uh, exploited a bit by opponents in those midweek games in the past. Pac-12 tournament closes the season. Uh, May 23rd through 27th down in Scottsdale. And then the NCAA tournament follows that. So that is a look at the schedule. Some of the bigger series, more notable on conference games. As far as the roster is concerned, usually at Oregon State, you see a, you know, it it, it usually leans kind of young because you see a lot of guys go pro after their junior years. Very rarely do you have more than a couple of seniors. It's the case again for Oregon State, although I I do think again this is a, a little younger than than some of the years past as well, uh, as, as Angie hinted to with a bit of a rebuilding year. You see, 13 freshmen and 13 sophomores, so 26 guys are underclassmen, to only 11 juniors and just three seniors. Uh, so you know, with with all of the guys who moved on last year, you're starting to wean some of the COVID players out who you know were here for five six years. Um, you're, you're starting to see this roster turn a, a little bit younger again. So I, I do think it is fair to say that, you know, you're going to spend some of the year developing guys, uh, which of course can, can lead to a drop off in play at times. Uh, but as Oregon state has continued to, to build up on the recruiting trail as well, the talent that's coming in is, is higher as well. So, uh, you know, you, you look to players like Gavin Turley, who turned down an opportunity to go pro. Um, who could be a, a a huge player on on this year's team, and then of course some of the freshmen from last year. Travis Bazana comes to mind. Um, you know, those. I, I feel like Oregon State baseball sophomores tend to be a little bit more talented than your average sophomore. So, yeah,
1: yeah. youth
0: youth doesn't necessarily <coughs> always spell disaster for Oregon State baseball, but uh, there's something to be said for the inexperience, I think, too.
1: Yeah, I, I think my biggest worry is is really the pitching rotation and having the depth, um, as we've seen kind Of we're say in the past, it's it's and and just watching you know college baseball in general, the teams that are able to make it are the teams that have that pitching depth that can mm-hmm. go, um, and go to a bullpen and really, um, you know, ride those arms out.
0: Yeah, you know, I, I think the national champion contenders year in and year out are, are the teams that go four, five, six deep, yeah. uh, in in their starting rotation, you know, yeah. guys. It's teams that have very solid Tuesday and Wednesday starters that that are competing because you lose one game in the, in the tournament and you know, you're, you're going deep in your bullpen. Yeah. Uh, a, a, another look at the roster. So guys who didn't make the cut for the final roster. And again, uh, Oregon state had to trim it down to, it's either 39 or 39 or 40 off the top of my head. Um, guys who didn't make that cut will not play this year. That includes Brock Townsend who was suspended by the university uh, Jabin Trosky, who went uh, is undergoing surgery. Shout out to Joe Freeman at the Oregonian for for his reporting on both of those. Uh, Tyree Reed did not make the cut again. We've we've heard from from sources that's a, a lingering knee injury, uh, the one that held him out last year. He has not fully recovered from that. Uh, Noah Ferguson, Isaac Hill, Hunter Cope, and Logan Miller round out the group that did not make the final cut. Uh, let's project some of our our key players this year, Angie. Uh, A couple of guys that I'm excited about. And let's just start with the rotation. So Oregon State only brings back one starter from last year. Lost Will Frisch, who was projected to be, you know, maybe a Friday night guy. Uh, I I listed my three guys who I think are going to take on these roles. Angie, if there's one that you're excited about between my projected three of Jacob Kamatz, Jaron Hunter, and Trent Sellers, who, 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 who do you think has the best chance to step in and be that Friday night ace I,
1: I just I think Kamats I think Kamats is the guy that's gonna really take that next step I, I we saw glimmers of him um, this past season but I think I'm looking for him to do some big things and and I'm excited to see sellers I, I, I want to mm-hmm. see what he can do um, just after having the career he's had I but I think Jacob is the guy to watch
0: yeah. You know, I think Jaron Hunter, what he showed down the stretch, really yeah. improving in the middle of the season. Uh, you know, I go back to those midweek games at Oregon where he just, I mean, he shot the ducks yeah, down two weeks in a row and uh, it developed into a very solid fourth starter who I think is going to jump into this rotation and fit in very nicely there. But Trent Sellers, again, like you just said, the career that he has put together uh, at the NAIA level. So, Played one year at Washington State, didn't get a ton of action. Then transferred to Lewis and Clark State uh, down in Lewiston, Idaho, for two years. Uh, he's he's a reigning NAI, a second team All American. He's the reigning Cascade Conference Pitcher of the Year. But listen to these numbers, Angie: twenty two and one as a starter in his two year career at Lewis and Clark State. Last year, fourteen and zero. A 198 ERA with 140 strikeouts to 22 walks.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, that like, those numbers are sick.
0: I I know that's a lower <laughs> level of competition, but that doesn't entirely matter for a pitcher. No. Uh, you know, I I think the, the transition is tougher for a, a position player or, you know, a guy who's at the plate. Uh, but from a pitcher who's putting up those numbers, I, I think that translates relatively well. And yeah. I, I could see him being a pretty solid starter this year.
1: Yeah, that, like is you said. Senior, I mean, mind you. Yeah, I mean I, I, I totally agree. I mean if you I, I think there's such little just little difference between these different levels, right? I mean we've, we've seen it. it it's a matter of a few bats or but a pitcher a pitcher's gonna be good a pitcher's gonna be good. So um, obviously he's got some stuff um, 198, 14 and0 and 140 strikeouts. Um, yes please that's that's like that's nuts.
0: Those are like Cooper jerpy numbers, yeah, from after, yeah, which which earned him National Pitcher of the Year. Now again, different level, but yes, I, I but am interested to see, see how this. that translates.
1: Yeah, I, I want to see how it translates because, yeah, I mean, if he can stay healthy, that could be, that could be fun to watch.
0: Yeah. Uh, if I was picking fourth and fifth starters, you know, those guys who are going to be competing for midweek spots, some of those four game series, like yeah. you're going to see this weekend, uh, Ian Lawson and Victor Quinn are two guys that Mitch Cannon pointed to as, as guys who really took a step forward in their development. Uh, you know, I, I, th- I think you see them step into maybe the Jaron Hunter role from yeah. last year.
1: Yeah. And that's, that's kind of what we see at Oregon state, you know, the, the younger guys that kind of, kind of do those midweek, kind of the fourth, mm-hmm. fifth guys, and then next year, hopefully be poised, but I, I, I love what I've heard about Ian Lawson. Um, Lawson. I think he could be a, a, a special one by the time he's done at Oregon State too.
0: Absolutely agree. All right, let's project our lineup in the field. I, uh, I, I, I went and, and wrote this down and so I, yeah. I don't know, Angie, if you,
1: I hadn't seen it yet. So um... yeah.
0: And, and I don't know if you have anything you want to add to this, but I'll, I'll start with some of the locks and i think the first four maybe five here are locks i, I think the infield is pretty much set in stone yeah, yeah. as we sit here a couple of days before the game Tampa. No, hey, at- were you were you
1: surprised that jake um jake ducart hung up his cleats
0: called it a career i uh, not necessarily i mean again <laughs> you think about like i mentioned earlier some of the covid guys who have been on campus so long i mean not only has I mean, Jake Dukart started as a quarterback yeah, on the Oregon yeah. State football team, <laughs> transitioned into to baseball full-time, spent a couple of years at Oregon State, then transferred to another university at Texas Tech and played a year there. You know, I think you just reach a point where you're just ready to move on. And, move on, and for, yeah. for Ducart, who maybe didn't necessarily have a, a professional career in the cards – you know, it's, do you want to go to school yeah. for another year or do you want to just move on with your life? Sorry, so I just had to, I I had to take a little out. side
1: there. Cause I saw Thomas Ducart's name there. So yeah. I had to like, <clears throat> we hadn't talked about it.
0: Spoiler alert, Thomas Spoiler. Ducart. Yeah. On the, yeah. Right <laughs> so uh, no, but, I think, well, I think
1: your infield set, I mean, that's, yeah. that's pretty solid. I think Mesa Guerra, Guerra at uh, third base.
0: Yeah. Um, so let's let's go down the line here. Yeah. Let's let's, let's start with the catcher position where I've got Tanner Smith penciled in. I, I think he's a lock to start at catcher. Uh, you know obviously at catcher you'll see a little bit of rotation. Oregon State has some depth there again this year, even with Gavin Logan moving on uh, at first base. Garrett Forrester obviously is is going to get the start there. Uh, Travis Bazana at second. Now, we have heard, again, this is something that we've heard for almost a whole year now. Don't be surprised if he sees a little bit of action in the outfield. Uh, He did at the end of the season last year when he was kind of nursing a bit of an injury. Um, I I believe that was the case that moved him out there. Um, Played a little bit of center field, I believe, in the Pac-12 tournament, if I remember correctly. Yeah, and
1: he was, like, awesome out there, too. So, yeah, just an athlete.
0: Yeah, I, I think Kyle Dernetti at shortstop. Again, this is a spot where you would really have liked to get Jabin Trosky back into the lineup, but unfortunately he will miss the year with surgery. Uh, so your shortstop depth and and really your depth on the left side of the infield, I think takes a bit of a hit with Trosky going down. But Kyle Dernetti, of course, uh, an elite defender. It's just a matter of can he take another step forward offensively and become a more well-rounded player. Uh, that, will be, that will determine, I, I think, his ceiling there. And then, like you said, Mason Guerra at third base showed a lot of flashes in the second half of the season. Third base was a revolving door for Oregon State last year. Uh, Errors left and right, not a ton of offense. And so I'm curious to see if Guerra um, can step in and be more of an everyday starter kind of guy who can give you consistent production in the field and at the plate. Uh, Let's move to outfield now. Angie, three guys who, who leave and Wade Meckler, Jacob Melton, Justin Boyd.
1: So huge. I mean, huge losses, not only just for their for their defensive skills, but they were huge at the plate, too. I mean, that's I, I think when you look at this team, that's really yes, you you lose a couple pitchers. But that's where I I, I kind of the, the, the production those three guys had at the plate too, offensively was it's going to be hard. It's going to be hard to replicate.
0: And I think that's why you see Oregon State maybe being overlooked, in, in air quotes, by some yeah. of the the national rankings. I mean, Oregon State's unranked in one of them. Um, most of them have them at 23. I, I think most of the concern comes from the fact that you were replacing three of probably outfield. your top four offensive producers and and who just happened to be your entire oh. starting outfield. <laughs> <For> outfield. <laughs> Uh, so who I expect to fill in for those three guys, I, I think Gavin Turley yeah. as a first year freshman steps in. I mean, everything we've heard about him is is very reflective of the hype that surrounded Travis Bizzonna last year. And obviously yeah. I mean, Bizzonna wasted absolutely no time. He was an absolute star in Arizona that first weekend uh, and then turned into one of the best freshmen in the country. So I think Gavin Turley has that potential uh, again, turned down a, a, a you know, a, a professional career, an early start to his professional career, to come to Oregon State, you'll get three years out of him. I think uh I think he will bring a lot to the table right away. Brady Casper, who's been on campus for a few years now, um, we have heard from from a couple of the players that he's one of those guys that could be like a Wade Meckler, who you know pops late in their career. Uh, somebody who's developed for a couple of years now behind All Americans, um, look for him to pop potentially this year. I think he starts. This weekend. And then Ruben Sadio, who transfers in from, from Lynn Benton Community College, like so many of these guys do. I mean, so many of Oregon State's key producers, uh, particularly in the bullpen, have come over from Albany playing a year or two uh, at, at Lynn Benton. Angie, we talked about uh, Trent Sellers coming in from yeah. from Lewis and Clark. I think Ruben Sadio, from everything that uh, that the players and and Mitch Canham even at, at Media Day said, uh, this is a guy who who might not only start this weekend, but could turn into one of the team's better players transferring in from Juco.
1: Yeah, yeah, this is a, another one that I'm I'm very hopeful on. Just from what we're hearing from from like you said, the players and coaches, um, he could he could be a, a a big addition that by May Beaver fans are are pretty hyped about.
0: And then the last spot there, designated hitter. I, I mean, this is such a toss-up. I, I think this will, again, probably be somewhat of a revolving yeah, door. Unless a, yeah. somebody gets hot and, and, you know, sustains it. Uh, TJ Wheeler, if if his vision is back to 100% or close to it, you know, after that scary injury last year, uh, he showed what he can do when he's at full strength. Uh, obviously hit a grand slam to, to win a game in surprise in the first weekend last year. So um, curious to see if he gets back into the lineup Uh, early this season Thomas Ducart like we talked about earlier I I think you know he he could be in the rotation in the outfield uh, but if his offense has developed I think maybe you see him get a little bit of time at DH Uh, but then also it's it's an opportunity to bring in one of those freshmen yeah
1: Yeah. I I just yeah I think this is going to be I think especially early this first month is going to be a lot of plug and play just seeing how guys react and how how they're looking and and I think We're going to see Mitch Cannon go with the hot hand too you know if you have if tj wheeler is able to go and and he's looking good or you know if if one of those freshmen just seems in practice to be you know feeling the feeling it i think we're going to see kind of like you said a revolving door there
0: moving to the bullpen now as we kind of round out our our roster projections uh, not going to go, not going to go all the way down the roster as far as pitching depth goes, but just some of the top bullpen arms that we see as, as being influential this year, Ryan Brown at the back end, you know, there's a lot of, a lot of discussion about maybe does he move into a starting role? They stretched him out when he was playing with the Corvallis Knights. It sounds like at least for now, uh, he's going to continue to come out of the back end of the bullpen. Mitch Canham said, you know, we don't necessarily have a set closer, but Ryan Brown will pitch in the highest leverage situations, whether that's the eighth inning playing matchups, whether it's the ninth inning holding on to a lead. Uh, you know, that's, that's very matchup dependent, but Ryan Brown will be that top arm in the back end of the bullpen. Ben Ferrer, uh, kind of a, I think will be Oregon State's primary long reliever. Uh, I think he is probably the, if not the most talented arm, the second most behind Ryan Brown. Uh, in that bullpen somebody who you could start on the Tuesday if you needed to I mean they they did last year I believe uh, give him a spot starter too. Uh, Ben Ferrer uh, of course uh, I I believe he ended up with an all-american honor last year one of the top relievers in the country statistic wise uh, comes back for for his senior year Um, I I think sky's the limit for Ben Ferrer and then just rounding out that group AJ Lattery Showed a lot of flashes last year when he was healthy. Uh, then Joey Munt, actually a name that that hopefully Oregon State baseball fans haven't forgotten. He returns from injury. We've heard that he'll be back around April. Uh, would really bolster that bullpen with some experience. Uh, he showed a lot of potential as uh, somebody who, you know, his throwing in the, I, if I remember correctly, because this is two years ago, was throwing uh, in those upper 90s, yeah. uh, a big imposing presence on the mound. And then a freshman Uh, who has, uh, again, gotten a lot of hype from those we've spoken to. Mitch Canham, Travis Bazzana, Garrett Forrester, all hyping up A.J. Hutchinson. A.J. Hutchinson. (laughs) A.J. Hutchinson. No, there's only one N uh, in Hutchinson. Uh, Comes in as a freshman, and again, highly regarded by those who have faced him in practice. I'm Uh, excited to
1: see Ferrer, because I think, and and I'm excited to see where Munt is as well, because I just think, I mean, he was so imposing a couple of years ago.
0: Yeah, a uh, couple of freshmen to watch for. I already mentioned Gavin Turley, Easton Talt, Dallas Macias, uh, two of the higher-rated recruits yeah. that came in in this class. Dallas Macias, actually, the uh, the Colorado Gatorade Player of the Year. Yeah. Uh, AJ Hutchinson, as far as pitchers go, AJ Hutchinson, Like I just said, uh, Nelson Kellyo, Tyler Mejia, and Aiden Jimenez are three guys who Mitch Canham said uh, are are some of the more talented freshmen on the roster. All right, let's close out this season preview with some expectations, both from the outside, from the inside, and then a little bit from us as well. Uh, So Oregon State, like we've said, picked to finish third in the Pac-12 by the conference's media behind Stanford, behind UCLA, and just ahead of Arizona. Oregon at fifth, uh, and then I'd have to look up the list to tell you the rest. But those are kind of your, your top four, top five teams who are expected to compete for the conference title. Oregon State ranked as highly nationally as 18th by Baseball America. Uh, three other polls have the Beavers at 23rd, and they checked in. Um, I guess that average is out to around 20th or so. So uh, unranked, I believe, in one or two polls. Uh, but most of them do have Oregon State ranked in, in kind of that bottom tier of the top 25, which is a ranking nonetheless. Uh, D1 Baseball actually released some tournament projections, extremely early tournament projections today, uh, has Oregon State as a two-seed in uh, one of the Texas regionals. I want to say it was the Texas uh, A&M, where is that campus, College Station? College
1: Station, yeah. Yeah, the
0: College Station regional. Uh, So obviously that has basically no bearing on what will happen (laughs) coming June. but at least that's that's a a preseason projection. So... All of that being said, I think there's a decent amount of respect being given to Oregon State considering all of the key losses, the outfielders, some of the pitching. Um, but Angie, to you, what defines success this year? You, you know, you mentioned competing for yeah. just a spot to even get in the tournament. Yeah, I think. Define they success. I mean, if,
1: I would be happy if they made the tournament. Honestly, I, I think there's just so many question marks now. Now midseason, if I might change my tune depending on on what it looks like, but there's just so many question marks in my mind that. You know, just just replacing that those three those three bats is to me huge. Um, so that's 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 where I'm at right now. I think if you make the the field of sixty four, that's a that's a, a win right now. Um, second seed, I think. I'd, I mean, if you told me right now we'd be a second seed, I'd say let's go. Um, but like I said, we'll we'll do another a mid seed I mean, we'll obviously do pods throughout the year, but um, that's kind of where I'm at now. What about you?
0: I'm kind of. I don't know. I I go back and forth because I think that there is enough returning talent, and and combined with the fact that there are so many highly regarded newcomers coming in, not only as freshmen but Trent Sellers as as you know an NIA NAIa uh, All American, uh, Ruben Cedillo from Lynn Benton, who seems like he could be an opening day starter. Uh, I think Oregon State's going to retool and, and reload pretty well, and I think that raises the floor to where Oregon State I, I think is pretty reasonably ranked at 23 entering the year. Um, you know, I, I think the ceiling is hosting at, at the very bottom level. I, I think, you know, if, if Oregon state hits its ceiling, it is probably hosting as a 15 or 16 national seed. Um, so I think it's reasonable to expect the floor being getting into the tournament as a three seed. Um, so if I had to say, you know, this is how I think the season will go, uh, I, I think projecting them as a two seed like D1 baseball did is, is probably pretty accurate. Right there. Yeah. All right, Angie, that, uh, that concludes our baseball season preview. Again, if you want to so follow along with us uh, throughout the season at Beaver Blitz, we are going to have a ton of baseball coverage like we did last year. JP with his weekly walk off, I'll be at games all year long with live updates. We'll have our tournament HQs. Angie will be in the lodge holding it down with our premium members. And if you're not a premium member right now, just a reminder that we do have 30% off your first year at Beaver Blitz that comes out to $6.27 per month. It's a great deal for those who have not signed up yet. Uh, Please take advantage of that uh, while you can, because these deals do not last forever. Again, baseball season with football coming right up. Spring football just a month away. Not even. Yeah, we're
1: not even like, what, three weeks? Three weeks from tomorrow is first day of spring practice. I'll be down there.
0: A lot of VIP VIP content uh, coming your way soon. So we want to make sure that everybody listening to the damn podcast uh, has access to that. And again, if you are not a member yet, 30% off your first year uh, with an annual subscription. All right, let's close out this episode with a few damn questions, and then we'll go to name that beeve to close it out. Uh, Angie, I, I think we only have time for a couple of questions, so I want okay, to I I like the ones from the Lodge first.
1: Yes, and I love me, Mr. G. Grays because I saw this. It's such a good question. So All right, I will I'll fire ask, it away. Okay, I'm going to ask you, would you rather see OSU built like the Eagles, run heavy, mobile QB, and a strong defensive line, or the Chiefs? pass heavy, accurate, but elusive QB and a blitz pressure defense.
0: Super bowl themed question. That's why I put it at yes, the top. Yes. Uh, very timely.
1: And I, so yeah, I want to hear your answer because I'm going to give you some thoughts that I had yesterday, actually watching the super bowl.
0: Okay. I, I think we're going to be kind of similar here. I, I, I like, I like the thought of Oregon state being built like the Eagles because that's kind of how it has been built actually recently, very run heavy, mobile quarterback Think you know, the chance Nolan era, Um, I I think you get more of that with with DJ Uyunglele in a strong D line, which actually Oregon State kind of had this year with the number one rush defense in the Pac-12. If that was the recipe to getting to 10 wins, I think you stick with it. So uh, I think Oregon State uh, kind of fit that mold, a run heavy team with a somewhat mobile quarterback with with Chance Nolan at the beginning of the year. But again, you get more of that this year. Uh, And if the D line can continue to improve, if you can continue to stifle opposing rushing attacks, I I feel like Oregon State could dominate in the trenches on both sides again this year. And like I said, if it got you to 10 wins last year, what can it do if you have more talent this year? Um, I, I, I think following kind of the Eagles blueprint there fits what Oregon State has at its disposal.
1: Guess yeah, so when I was watching the game actually like not having at a party, I was able to like to listen to and really watch. And the announcers actually went on and talked about just how the Eagles with their like they have the best offensive line in the in the country, um, that defensive front and that run first. You know, they said this is kind of the shift of the NFL right now, is it's going even on like first and second downs, typically, you know, they're you're just seeing the run, 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 run. Um, and even on traditional passing plays. Um, but getting those chunk yards so that you don't necessarily have long. I, I, I kept watching it thinking, yeah, man, the, the Beavers actually really followed very closely to kind of the Eagles that, you know, the strong offensive line, the run first mobile quarterback. I, I just, I, I like that, that um, although you got me there, Mr. Gray, with the, a little bit of blitz pressure on the defense, but um, watching that first half and what the Eagles were able to do offensively and keeping that defense off the field or the keeping the um the the blitz de- the blitz defense was not um handling that very well. So no, nope, I I'm going with the Eagles too.
0: I also think that uh, the Eagles strategy of hey, you know we're at midfield, it's a fourth and s- or a third and 7, let's just run it and set up mm-hmm. to go on fourth is very similar to how Jonathan Smith and Brian Lindgren have designed their aggression on third and fourth. And, and games, going for fourth. Yeah.
1: yeah. Particularly
0: when they had Jack Cole at their disposal. I mean Jalen Hurts being potentially the most effective quarterback sneak quarterback in the NFL last year, I think is, is kind of similar to how the Beavers use Jack Coletto. Um, so again, I, I feel like Oregon state was already kind of following the same model that Philadelphia found so much success with this year. And so if you can double down with it, if you can retool those positions like finding a Jack Coletto, or if DJU does turn into, you know, a, a very elusive, um,
1: but I like DJU.
0: quarterback. Then I mean, I, DJU I and a
1: quarterback sneak. You don't need Jack Coletto when you have a, a yeah. 200. And what is he? 240, 240 pound quarterback.
0: Yeah, I mean, I haven't seen what they've listed him yet. We'll we'll see spring camp when it comes around. Yeah. That roster yeah. will, will be released. Um, but a, a great thought-provoking question yes, from, yes. from Mr. Gray in the Lodge. All right, moving on to uh, this question from OCDSoft01. In the lodge at Beaver Blitz, Alton Julian missing spring camp. Is it precautionary or a setback? Do you have any insight?
1: No, I, I, it's just, it's so you guys knew he had an ACL. He was out for the year. He had to have another scope done last mm-hmm. fall um, just to kind of clean up some scar tissue. That's why he's out it's precautionary. He's good. He'll be, he'll be ready to go. Um, and I also, if you saw the news that Jack Belling is out for spring, um, I believe he's back. he It's a shoulder I believe. So um, he's been spotted on campus with a sling, which would be similar to like a, a labrum. So um, that's our guess there, but he is supposed to be back by summer. So not worried about that either.
0: We'll have more injury news uh, during probably that first week of, of spring camp to get a little clarity on, yeah. on some guys. And I'm sure there will be a surprise or two as well on on day one when we're down there and you know, so-and-so is not in pads. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Well, I guess nobody will be in pads on day one, but you know what I mean? Uh, Next question from William, 1974. Will we have the pieces for a good secondary? It seems like edge rushing may be better. D line should be good, but to be really good, the whole defense needs a little improvement. Um, Yeah, I I think that's a fair assessment. And I think there is probably a, a, a healthy amount of concern around the secondary, just considering how much talent you lose with both of your starting corners, one of your starting safeties and, three guys who have been on campus for a long time. Uh, and, you know, two of them at least are heading to the NFL combine. Uh, how do you reload in the secondary? I, I think Angie and I are, are both kind of, um, I think we're kind of leading the charge on like, don't be concerned. Oregon State has talent in the in the waiting, but I'm still a little concerned about the depth.
1: I'm, I'm concerned about the depth too. I I think it, it was huge news when katana Ladopo said he was coming back because that gives you a really key piece there. I think Ryan Cooper showed um, a lot this year and should take another big step forward. I mean, he was a first year in the, in the system last year. I'm excited about Jaden Robinson. And I know he graded out. Um, if you talk to coaches, Jaden Robinson actually graded out as one of the top DBs on the team, those last three games of the season. So um, I, I think they're expecting him to take another, another big step forward. And um, but it's the depth. Um Akili Arnold, there's there's a lot of players there. It's just a matter of depth and and taking that next step.
0: Completely agree. We had a couple of really fun questions come in, uh, and I I wanted to get at least one of them in, but I do want to save time for name that beef. So let's just really quickly hit one of them. Uh, and sorry to to anyone whose questions didn't get answered, and sorry to anybody who left questions on Twitter. Again, we do like to prioritize the members in the lodge. Well, these first. are both we'll get good to some ones, your though. Questions next week, though. Uh, let's. Let's start, let's just do this one and then move on to name that Eva, Angie. So from what in the blue hell OSU, uh, they just simply ask spring break vacation spots off the beaten path. Angie, are you first of all, are you going anywhere for spring break? Second of all, what are your favorite spring break vacation spots?
1: Yes, Palm Springs. That's where we're heading this year. We're heading to Palm Springs or or Palm Desert, I guess. Um, I love going down there. I love going to the desert, but if I had my choice and like money wasn't an issue, I don't know. I, I would love to try to go to Costa Rica or something I don't, like off the beaten path. Like, what about you?
0: Uh, I'm actually going to Paris in March. <laughs> oh, so...
1: <laughs> Yes, Parker's so, yeah, going to uh, miss a couple couple spring practices, but I yeah. got you covered. You got to go. You got to go to Paris.
0: Yeah. When When anyone asks you, hey, do you want to go to Europe? Uh, you don't. You don't say no. That's exactly what happened last year. I went to Greece uh, yeah. in in that break between the first and second weeks of camp. I'll miss the first week of spring camp this year, but like Angie said, she's she's got you covered. So yeah. um, that rounds out our our short but sweet question segment of this episode because I do want to get round okay. two of name that beven because Angie is going to quiz me this time. So yes, yes no you, last time, and I got
1: my pencil and we are like ready to go.
0: Perfect. All right. So Kay. last time. Uh, We introduced this game where I picked a random Oregon State football player. We've narrowed it down now to since 2000, and it has to be a football player. Um, The other person will ask yes or no questions to try to narrow it down. And the goal for me today is to correctly guess the student-athletes Uh, In fewer than 11 questions That's what it took Angie to get Stormwoods Last time so Angie keep track For me and then we'll add it To the leaderboard but uh, fire away As I'll I'll throw on some background music here
1: I'm not firing away you're firing away Because I've got the you you have to ask the questions There
0: oh I guess that's fair
1: yeah (laughs) You fire away
0: Uh, Okay Uh, I'm gonna start dancing uh, Was this player active In the last five years on the Oregon State football team
1: no.
0: Okay. Uh, did they did they have or are they currently in the middle of a professional career?
1: Wait, ask that again.
0: Did they have or are they currently in the middle of a professional career? Yes. Okay. Was this player did this player play on the offensive side of the ball? No. Is this a defensive lineman?
1: Yes. Hate you.
0: <laughs> is it Scott Crichton? No.
1: Oh. Oh! Okay. oh,
0: I know who it is then. Is it Dylan Wynn?
1: No. Oh, <laughs>
0: oh I thought I had it. Oh, wow. Okay, so a little insight here. I was actually going to. I was going to go with Scott Crichton for you until we decided yeah. to flip it. Oh, man, that would have been funny. Um, okay, not in the last five years, but had a professional career as a defensive lineman. <sighs> um, anyone in the chat want to give me some hints? <laughs> defensive lineman, and it's not Dylan Wynn. Interesting. Okay. I, um, like,
1: I couldn't pick some of my favorites because then it would have been easy.
0: So okay, did this did this person play for Mike Riley?
1: Yes. Okay.
0: Did they graduate before 2010? No. Oh. Is it Kyle Pecko? No. Shoot. You're at
1: nine. A lot
0: of D playing the league Look at that. yeah uh, this is impressive Oregon State's got more talent on the D line no, than we thought no. oh, yes. uh, uh, okay. Boom, Guasham count as a defensive lineman. Yes. Is it? Oh, Boom, cool. Guasham. Gotcha. No. Dad. Uh, <laughs> so check
1: out. Yeah, check out. Oh, Dad there it comes is. in clutch.
0: Is it? Stephen Paya. It is. Okay.
1: 12, no. dude. I beat you.
0: Ah, Woo! Dude, you got me. I mean, I, I would say all of my guesses were... They were solid. I, they I, They were solid.
1: So yeah nice. oh boom wasn't i i don't know if i would have gone Obum boom because i don't think he played pro did he uh he, oh, he,
0: he did he, yeah, you're yeah you're he had right. a short stint West with Russia. the seahawks
1: yep you're right hmm.
0: yeah. yeah no stephen pie obviously i mean that that fits the criteria there yeah yeah, <laughs>
1: well, yeah. you got
0: me <laughs>
1: <laughs> yay that was fun all,
0: all right. right well we'll try it again next week uh we'll yep. I'll, I'll give it back to you and i guess you'll just try to beat your own personal best because i'm not very good at this game <laughs>
1: You beat me. I so. just have a lot more history, Carter. A lot more history.
0: But <laughs> you know fair. what? That it's... just
1: gives me more names to clutter up my mind, though. See?
0: Yeah, that's true. Although, I mean, even though I was, like, in middle school at the time, I, I was following Oregon State football pretty closely during the during during the the Stephen Paya era.
1: I was trying not to be super obscure. So I actually went to the list of all Americans. That's where I, mm. I drew my my... And I thought, if I went with, like, Brandon or... James or Quiz, or yeah, those I mean, guys that's too obvious. Easy. So then I, I'm like, okay, we'll go Stephen Paya. I thought that was like pretty easy, but then I totally, yeah, there were a lot of guys that well, you it's think Randy it's easy, Lent but then line. you remember, yeah.
0: I mean, Crichton, yeah, Peko, like these guys are all NFL. Well, I mean, CFL for yeah. Dylan Wynn, but yeah,
1: nice wow. work, Brad Baines and Tim Bedford. You guys both uh, got it correct.
0: Yeah, shout out to the YouTube chat, came in uh, a little bit late for me, but uh...
1: <laughs> go take that up with your dad. Yeah. Tell me, need to help you next time.
0: All right, Angie. Anything to add before we get out of here?
1: No, I'm just super excited for baseball. And like I said, make sure next week, starting next Monday, the 20th, um, we are. I'm I've been working the phones, talking to a lot of 2024 recruits, and uh, we'll have p- uh, position by position breakdowns of some of Oregon State's top prospects. Early look
0: sounds good to me. We'll uh, we'll have all sorts of baseball coverage this weekend as Oregon State. Kicks off or pitches off. Uh, kicks off, tees I'm off, just... <laughs> <laughs> kicks off. <laughs> kicks off the twenty twenty three baseball season in Surprise, Arizona. Uh, we'll come back next week to recap the weekend that was. Uh, we might have to go later on Monday since they will play Monday afternoon. Uh, but we'll recap it nonetheless. Until then, you can follow her on Twitter at Angie Machado one. You can follow me at Carter Baines and we'll talk to you next week for another episode of The Damn Podcast.